Hi, everyone. Welcome and thank you for tuning into The Animal Files, the podcast where we expose the truth, science, and spirituality of pet care and provide you with the wisdom and tools you need to raise happy and healthy companion animals. My name is Victoria, an animal spirituality facilitator and integrative energy practitioner. And my name is Miranda, an animal health technologist and pet care safety expert. Let's dive in, shall we? Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Animal Files podcast. We've been talking about dogs the last couple weeks, and we know that some of you cat lovers out there are saying, what about us? What about us? Well, we got you covered. You may remember that way back in June, we started talking about Siamese and Oriental breeds, and that cat breeds weren't really as clearly defined as dog breeds, which would make sense because most cats are a blend of breeds. So as far as cat breeds are concerned, short hair breeds, yeah, that's one of the categories used for cats, but there is definitely an overlap because there are certain breeds that come under that category, which includes the Siamese and the Orientals we talked about before. And we believe here at the Animal Files that in general, many cat lovers don't care about breeds. We're very accepting of mixed breeds and we don't focus very much on the specific cat breed categories, but there are those who do like specific traits such as coat type, color type, body type, and stuff like that. So today we're going to focus on five of some of the short hair types, and then we're going to bring you another five next week. So we're going to do the whole balancing. We had two weeks of dogs. Now we're going to have two weeks of cats. So Miranda, let's talk about these short hair cats because I, and I'm sure many others out there are big cat lovers. Mm, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> we want to talk about our favorites too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, before we go into these specific breeds, let's talk about some of the general characteristics of short hair cats. Now, okay. because cat breeds are not as specific these characteristics are going to be fairly general. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so because of the obscurity of cat categories, these characteristics may not apply to every short-haired cat breed that exists, but they can greatly help support you in your considerations if you are currently looking to adopt or buy a specific short-haired breed. So one of the characteristics of short-haired cats is that they typically have coats that are fairly low maintenance because their fur typically does not become matted or tangled. And most of them have minimal shedding. Yeah, I've actually noticed that that happens. But I've also noticed, because I've also had long-haired cats too, is that some of my long-haired cats actually shed less, which is very oh. interesting. And I don't know if that is something, something that I did. But uh, it's weird. I've had some short hair cats that may have had a double coat that shed like crazy. And then others like Maisie, Maisie didn't shed. I mean, she shed like a cat, like they were normal, but not in any excess amounts. So right. it's interesting that even amongst other short hair cats, you can have high shedding and low shedding and whatever. So hopefully this is going to help, you know. Yeah. Well, I think that has a lot to do with the fact that so many cats out there are mixed breeds. So when you've got like this mixture, it's kind of like throwing up in the air and it's like, oh, are we going to get shedding? Or are we not going to get shedding? <laughs> yeah, are we yeah. going to, <laughs> yep. you know, what kind of personality are we going to get? How yep. active are they going to be? So there's, it's just kind of all of the stuff up in the air when it's a mixed breed, you don't really know what you're going to get. I know, but that makes it fun. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not, but sometimes it makes it fun. <laughs> so when you have short haired breeds, particularly when they are a mix, but even among the purebred short-haired breeds, they tend to genetically produce very diverse coat colors and patterns, some which can be extremely unique. Mm -hmm. There is a great number of cats that are in the short-haired category that have active and playful natures. They thrive on having interactive play sessions by chasing toys, engaging in physical activities, solving puzzles, 
and directly interacting with you. Sounds like every cat I've ever known. <laughs> <laughs> Many short-haired cats will often want to be social and seek human companionship, which might include cuddling, it might include lap time, or just having some basic positive interaction with you. Because not all cats want to cuddle or be physically close to you, but they still want to interact with you through the playing and, you know, maybe walking on a leash in some cases or different things like that. If it's a positive interaction with you, then that still falls on the scale of being social and seeking human companionship. Yeah, I've seen that both with Maisie and Frankie because they were not, well, Frankie is a little more cuddly than Maisie, but they weren't mm. very cuddlier, but they loved to be in the same room. Like they could not not mm -hmm. be in the same room with you. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to observe Brian and I, and they wanted to observe what's going on. And they would, they would perch themselves up at a spot where they can see everything. Like they mm -hmm. really wanted to be in the midst of everything, even though they weren't very cuddly cats. Mm -hmm. Typically with short haired cats. Now, again, we're saying that these are general characteristics. So you might be saying, oh, well, my short haired cat isn't like this. Mm -hmm. So just remember, this is general. Yeah. But short haired cats can have the tendency to be fairly adaptable to their environment, as long as it's not constantly changing. So they can adapt to changes. But if you're doing something like moving furniture around every six months or changing homes every year, they might have more difficulty trying to adapt to that. Yeah. However, if you were to maybe have somebody move in with you, they might struggle initially, but they will most likely adapt to that in time. Now, what you need to be able to keep in mind is that when we provide cats with too much space, this can create stress for them because it's expanding the amount of territory that they are needing to be aware of. And it prevents them from being able to have much relaxed time if they always feel like they need to be checking in on the different areas of their territory. But on the other hand, if you don't provide them with enough space, you can also end up creating boredom and health issues because they don't have enough opportunities for exercise, mental engagement, and general enrichment activities. Yeah. However, if you do have a small space and you are somebody who chooses to regularly interact with your cats, you can minimize that challenge. Yes. You know, we've mentioned it before. And we're going to mention it again, because I don't think it can be said enough. Cats find security in their environment. Dogs find security in their people. So the environment is very important for a cat. On that same note, when we mentioned about territory, it is a cat's instinctual nature to survey their territory. That's just what they do. If you look at a tiger, it will survey its entire 200 square mile property. Like they will always be on the go, walking around, checking the perimeters, checking what's there, making sure everything's okay. Now think of your own self. If you had to do that to your own house every single day, how would you feel? You would kind of feel stressed out. So if you give your cat too much room, they're constantly going to be on the prowl and then take a nap and then go on the prowl again and then take a nap and then go on the prowl again. So it's this lifestyle of constantly always having to be on alert all the time and checking out this corner and that corner and that corner and this corner their whole life. And that's not fair to them. They should be able to relax. So just keep that in mind. Just like with dogs, you can't breed out instinct. You can dilute it, but you can't breed it out. And that is the one trait about cats that you cannot get rid of. Cats have territory. And so if you let your cat wander, just know that you may not see it, but your cat's going to have more of a stressful life because it has chosen a territory that it has to constantly monitor. Plus, you've got the added thing that there could be conflicts in territory because exactly other roaming cats may be trying to choose to have the same area as the territory. Yeah. 
Exactly. So again, environment versus people, dogs, people, cats, environment. So being able to manage their environment to a point is going to help them live a more relaxed life. Even in my little house, I always had the bathroom door closed, the bedroom door closed. They only had like the office, living room, and dining room, and the kitchen when I was in there. That was all. And they were perfectly happy with that because they didn't have to. Carly would go and kind of walk the perimeter of the house a couple of times a day. But because we had the bathroom closed and the bedroom closed, she only had to look at the rooms that she could see. So it helped her to be a little bit more relaxed. She could kind of see what was going on in the rooms. Like there was nothing hiding behind a door or this, that, the other thing, because the doors were closed. So Mm -hmm. I don't know, just a little perspective. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to personalities, just like with other cat breeds and dog breeds, you can have a wide variety of personalities. You can have a range from being really outgoing and talkative to being very reserved and independent. Depends on what genetic marker that's dominant. Yeah. So when it comes to cats, it's kind of important to be able to appreciate cats for themselves rather than expect, oh, well, I got this cat and I don't know what's wrong with it because it doesn't want to cuddle with me and it doesn't want me to pet it. And, you know, each cat has their own personality. And if you really want a cat that's going to have, you know, want a lot of physical attention, then you really need to explore the litters more effectively and watch how these kittens interact because you can kind of see what a kitten's personality is going to be like by how it interacts with the other kittens in the litter. Yeah. But you can also, even if you go to adopt and they've got kittens or cats there, Most of them will give you the opportunity to have some time to interact with them. And the cat will give you an indication of whether they are accepting of being petted or being cuddled or whatever. So it's never a good idea to make a rush decision. No. And we have to understand on that same vein of individuality, a kitten of a certain cat will be different than their adult self. So you might have a kitten that's very into playing and snuggling and whatever. And then when they get to be a teenager, they get a little distant and they get to be an actual teenager and they get a little feisty. And then when they get an adult, they're like, "Ah, you know, I'm just going to be here by myself. I'm like, you know, I love you, but I'm over here on my cat tree. They're going to change in their life. And we always have to remember that sometimes we are the ones that dictate how our animals behave. So if you tend to be a distant person in life, you'll probably end up with a distant cat. It's just kind of how they learn from us. Mm-hmm. So if you're an anxious person, you're going to have an anxious cat for the most part. It's same with dogs. Like your dog is going to pick up personality traits from you. Well, so is your cat. So Mm -hmm. we also have to remember that just because a cat is lovey-dovey as a kitten doesn't mean they're going to be lovey-dovey as an adult because Mm -hmm. their environment, you, is going to dictate their own conditioning as they go over. Well, maybe not dictate, but at least influence. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's probably a better word. Yeah, and one of the cats that we'll be talking about later, there's going to be an interesting trait about them that's connected with this so (laughs) good we gave him a teaser (laughs) so the last characteristic that we want to share with you is that many of these short-haired cats do tend to stay quite healthy and have fairly long lifespans but this is of course based on whether you are providing them healthy and balanced food options whether you are providing them with sufficient and clean water, whether they are living in minimal stress environments, and whether they are receiving plenty of enrichment, exercise and mental enrichment. All goes into it. Everything. Each one of those things goes into the length of the life of both cats and dogs. Mm -hmm. But I do have to say cats tend to, I mean, we get some breeds of dogs and some like smaller dogs will live longer, but As far as I have seen in my personal experience, a lot of dogs don't live as long as a cat might live. 
I've had mm-hmm. a few cats that live to be like 19 years old. Mm-hmm. I haven't met too many dogs that live to 19. Right. Even the little ones, they normally like 17 is pretty much the top of what I've experienced. Now I know there are some dogs that do live long lives. I just watched a commercial. I think it was a, the farmer's dog, dog food, not sponsored. I know nothing about the food. So don't, <laughs> don't take this as a, as a sponsorship because it is not, but the commercial had to do with a 21 year old chihuahua or something like that, that was still alive three years after being on the food. Now mm. that personally, I don't think that has anything to do with the food that just has to be with a genetically superior chihuahua. So, mm. <laughs> I mean, having a 23-year-old chihuahua is pretty, pretty, pretty rare. And, you know, you may not find too many cats being 23 years old. But I just think typically cats live longer than dogs. Maybe it's because of the dilutedness of the breeds. Because most cats are mixed breeds. I don't know. Mm, Right. I don't know. Just a little thought. Yeah. Just a little thought. So it's important to remember that All of these traits and characteristics that we talked about can vary a lot among the individual cats, even within the same breed. So you need to really consider the specific needs and characteristics of the breed you're interested in, as well as the needs and preferences of your own household when you're choosing a cat to join your family. Yeah. You always want to research the specific breed if you are getting a specific breed. Always research and meet individual cats like we were talking about before you make a decision. And this is regardless of whether you're choosing to adopt or buy. Yeah. But I also want to explore the difference between a pedigree cat and a non-pedigree cat because there might be some confusion about this. You might find many cats that could look like they're Siamese or look like they're Persian or look like they're Maine Coon or some other kind of recognizable breed, but they are not considered a pedigree or a purebred unless they can consistently produce kittens of the same physical conformation, coat quality, and temperament. Now, I just want to throw something in here because if you listen to one of our previous episodes where we've talked about cockapoos and labradoodles and those kinds of designer dogs, this is why they are not pedigree or purebreds, because they cannot produce puppies of the same physical conformation, coat quality, and temperament. Until they get to that point, they are not a purebred. So just keep that in mind for both dogs and cats. Yeah. And there's a lot of cats out there that people are claiming to be breeds that are basically a mix of breeds. They're not purebred Mm -hmm. breeds. Then there's other ones that are just people breeding in recessive genes, as opposed Mm. to that, unless you have a consistent recessive gene for many, many years that keeps popping up and all of the siblings litter have the same thing. It just doesn't Mm -hmm. work. And I am mainly talking about these munchkin cats that, oh yeah, I I mean, they're cute as hell. I'm not going to say that they're not, they are so freaking cute but all it is is people breeding in dwarfism and that's not fair to the cat Mm -hmm. it's just not fair so if you want a a munchkin cat i would ask you to not even consider it because they are cute just keep watching videos of them but we shouldn't be supporting breeders that are breeding in things like dwarfism yeah we want to support healthy animals yeah not unhealthy animals At least I would hope that that's what we want to promote or encourage. Yeah. And you never really see those videos of adult munchkin cats. You only see the kittens. Mm. So they may end up with structural issues in life. You never see them because an adult munchkin cat probably isn't as cute as a a little kitten because they're probably in pain a lot. I, I mean, think about it. I mean, you're basically deforming their bones for no reason, except for making money and for something cute. That just makes no sense to me, but I yeah, will get well, off my soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just add in that, you know, it may not just be the physical body type that is affected because it could also incorporate organ issues or other internal yeah 
issues that are connected with that dwarfism. Exactly. So to wrap up the first half of our episode, as of July 2023, the five most recognized or popular short-haired cats, according to study finds, we'll put the link in the show notes for you if you want to look at that information yourself. But the five most recognized or popular short-haired cats are domestic short-hairs, American short-hairs, the Sphinx, the British short-hair, the Abyssinian, and the Russian blues. Now, if you were paying attention, you may have noticed <laughs> that we actually included six rather than five. <laughs> but you'll see why later. <laughs> we're throwing them a curveball like we did the last one. <laughs> <laughs> The five least recognized short-haired cats, which we'll be talking about next week, are the Minskin, the Aussie Cat, the Selkirk Rex, the American Curl, and the Korat. So when we come back from the break, we'll go into more detail about the more popular and recognized short-haired cats to help give you a better idea of the similarities and the differences between them as well as to provide you with some guidance on what to consider if you do choose to bring another short-haired cat breed into your home. All right, I'm looking forward to it. Stick around <laughs> and we'll be right back. Hi, everyone. We hope you've been enjoying season three. It's been a great couple of years so far. Moraine and I just want to take a moment and thank you all for joining us on this journey and listening each and every week. We've got lots planned for you this season. Great interviews, great topics, and we're even building you a home on YouTube. If you want to help us out and be the first in line, just head to YouTube, look for the Animal Files podcast and hit that subscribe button. Or you can just head to the website www.theanimalfilespodcast.com. Calm. Now that that's out of the way, let's get back to the conversation. And welcome back to the Animal Files. Thanks for sticking with us. We mentioned before the break that we are going to be giving you a little bit more detailed information about the five, or as we hinted to six, of the most recognizable cat breeds. The domestic short hair, the American short hair, the Sphinx, the British short hair, the Abyssinian, and the Russian blue. And now we have a couple descriptors for you. See if you can figure out which one we're talking about. So the first one, often called the blue teddy bear. The next one, this cat loves warmth and being the center of attention. The third, this cat is an exceptional skilled hunter. The fourth, this cat loves to fetch and are loved for their silver blue coloring and green eyes. You getting any hints here? The next one, this cat came to the U.S. via the Mayflower and often gets confused with two of the other cats that we'll be talking about today. And the last one, this cat is very athletic and has the ability to study you and learn from your behaviors. You know who we're talking about? Well, I'm just going to let Miranda continue this and we're going to figure out if you're right. <laughs> So let's start the cat parade and let each of these breeds strut their stuff. <laughs> yeah, and cats do love to strut. So, <laughs> so first up on the cat walk <laughs> are the domestic short-haired cats. And I think everyone is familiar with domestic short-hairs. Yeah, I think it's probably the most common one in at least North America. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> now, domestic short-hairs are not actually a breed in themselves. This is where the curveball is. <laughs> <laughs> we decided to include them under this category of short-haired cats because they make up about 96% of the cats in the United States. That's an awful lot. Mm -hmm. So even though they're not breeds, I think it's still important to know a little bit more about them. Now, there's a few sources out there that suggest that the names of American shorthair and British shorthair are just alternative names for the domestic shorthair. But my research has shown that these are actually three different types of cats. Hmm. And you can actually look at the Cat Fanciers Association and probably other cat associations to see this for yourself. Yeah. So here's a couple of distinctions that separates them or differentiates between them. Other than the short-haired coats, 
domestic short hairs do not have any specific characteristics. Their build, their coat colors, their coat types, and their eye color and shape can vary widely because their natural genetics, or because these characteristics are based on their natural genetics rather than the breeding genetics. So what's the difference? Well, breeding genetics means that somebody is looking at the DNA of these cats and deciding we want to mix these particular genetics together to create a certain appearance. This doesn't happen with domestic short hairs. It's just they are what they are. (laughs) And they (laughs) you get what you get. Yep. (laughs) Another thing is that American short hairs and British short hairs have documented pedigrees and histories. Remember what we talked about in the first half about the difference between a pedigree and a non-pedigree? The domestic short hair does not have a pedigree. Domestic short hairs are random litter outcomes, meaning that there's no guarantee of their physical build, type of coat, or temperament. Yeah. And if they do end up having litter, their litter is going to be completely different. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You could have one kitten that looks like a Siamese, another kitten that looks like a Bango, another kitten that looks like a Manx, (laughs) because they can also have multiple fathers as well. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, just because I saw it from the beginning with Carly. When Carly had her first litter, and that was when she came to me, she had four kittens. Two of them were tuxedos, black and white, and two of them were like brown striped tabby and white. She ended up getting pregnant again before we can get her son fixed. And her second litter, she had two Siamese and I think two gray and white, but two of her second litter didn't make it. So like her second litter, she had a gray and white tuxedo and a Siamese. First litter had no Siamese cats. Hmm. So it was very interesting to see how the different litters varied in characteristics. Mm -hmm. You go to like a shelter and you see the litter of kittens. There's a good chance that they're going to be different or there's going to be one that looks completely different from their other siblings. That's indicative of a domestic short hair. Yeah. And that would be another difference between a pedigree cat and a non-pedigree cat. Because a pedigree cat is only going to have one father. Mm, Yes. Because the breeders are controlling which cats mate together. With a domestic short hair or the non-pedigree cats, there's no control over that. So like we said, they can have more than one father. A litter can have three, four, five fathers. I I don't know if there's like a maximum amount. (laughs) But it can be multiple fathers anyways. <laughs> well, I would hope the female cat would be like, after three, I'm like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> I mean, Maisie and Frankie, I don't think they had the same fathers. They were very different in mm. look, color, stature. They were very different. Mm-hmm. And so I think they had two different fathers. Mm-hmm. So here's the answer to one of the clues that we provided you before. The domestic short hair made its way from Europe to the United States via the Mayflower. (laughs) And this is because of its well-known and revered ability to hunt. So these cats paid their way through controlling the rodent population on the ship. Nice. (laughs) So domestic short hair refers to a mixed breed short-haired cat. And they are known for their diverse personalities and their ability to adapt. Their coats can vary from tabby to tuxedo to tortoiseshell to calico to torby to solid and anything in between. (laughs) So we included quite a bit on the domestic short hair just because of how popular they are, how prolific or how many people end up having these types of cats in their home. Well, 96% is a pretty big number. (laughs) Yes. I think out of all of my cats, every single one of them will be considered domestic short hair. Oh, yeah. Even though I've had ones where like maybe the dominant trait might be from a different breed, but because they were so diluted, they were just considered domestic short hairs or like a domestic long hair. They're a mishmash of breeds. Mm. And I've had a lot of cats over the years. (laughs) (laughs) So next we're going to showcase the American short hair. And like we said, this is one of the ones that tends to get mixed up with domestic short hairs. 
but these cats have a documented pedigree and history and are bred with specific breed standards. They have a moderately sized, stocky, muscular body with a rounded face, medium-sized ears, and a thick coat. They are a sturdy, powerful, and agile breed that is full of endurance. And these cats are skilled hunters with large heads, powerful jaws, and full cheeks. Yeah, they look very different. <laughs> mm -hmm. However, they do come in over 80 variations of colors and patterns. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> but the silver tabby is the most well-known. American shorthairs normally get along well with children and other animals. Plus, they tend to enjoy being playful even into their later years. Despite the view that cats typically reach maturity around six months of age, American shorthairs are actually said to continue growing until three or four years old. Oh, wow. That's cool. Now, this next one that's coming up onto the catwalk is a really cool one. Mm -hmm. Some of you may be like, wait, what, what, what? Well, let's talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> now, this kind of goes back on your comment earlier about breeding recessive genes. So the first sphinx cat actually came about by genetic accident, but this mutation has appealed to certain cat lovers and they decided to discover how to continue this mutation on an ongoing and controlled basis. Now, a lot of people might view the sphinx breed as being a more fragile type of cat and think that, well, maybe they shouldn't really be bred, just kind of like the uh, munchkin cats. But according to the Cat Fanciers Association, they have done selective breeding that involved breeding the Sphinx to normal coated cats and then back to hairless cats for more than 30 years. And this was to help create a genetically sound cat with a large gene pool and hybrid vigor. So apparently when they're properly bred, the Sphinx is actually a very robust breed with few serious health or genetic problems. So this, again, is why it's important to know where you're getting your cat from. Absolutely. Now, there are probably many people out there that are saying, well, what, a Sphinx cat? Isn't that the cat that has no hair? Well, let's talk about that next. Because <laughs> they really aren't. <laughs> yeah, these cats are not necessarily totally hairless. They usually have a fine down on them but they can have different degrees of hairlessness. Yeah. And you might even find that they've got tufts of hair in certain places on their body. <laughs> They're like little warm peaches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's usually some short hair that is present on the nose, ears, and sometimes on their toes and their tails. But seasonal and hormonal changes in the cat could also affect their hair development. Some people have described the texture of the sink skin as being compared to a suede hot water bottle or warm chamois. And some cats almost have a buttery feel to the skin. You'll also find that the skin is loose on the body, which leads to an extra wrinkling effect. Of course, I would argue that every cat, if you were to shave them, will be wrinkly. <laughs> because all cats have loose skin. You go to the vet and you watch them, how they give the shots and stuff like that. I mean, they're very loose skin. So imagine you're fully haired cat without any hair and they're probably just as wrinkly. Maybe, or maybe their skin's not quite as loose as a sphinx. I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> I've had cats. I call them flaps. You know how like cats, mm -hmm. they always say they land on their feet. Mm -hmm. Well, if you look underneath their arms, there's a little bit of a flap of skin that's mm -hmm. there between the arm and the back. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I just imagine all my cats, what they look like. I know it's weird, but I imagine all my cats looking wrinkly without fur. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm weird. I know it. <laughs> now, there are some challenges with looking after these cats. One of these things is that the lack of hair prevents normal absorption of body oils which could end up necessitating periodic bathing, ear cleaning, and nail cleaning. One of the benefits from this is some people who suffer from cat allergies can usually tolerate living with a sphinx cat because there is no airborne hair to deal with. 
And the reactive chemical in their saliva is lower than many other breeds. Yeah, I do want to add that these cats are a lot of work. If you have a cat that doesn't produce enough oils, the grooming alone is a necessity to keeping these animals healthy, to keep their skin healthy. They need to be washed and bathed and oiled and you have to put oils on their skin. They have to wear sweaters to keep them from getting sunburn or getting cold. They don't have any of the normal protections that a fully haired cat would have. So they are not for first time cat owners. They are also not a cat that you can just let them do whatever they want. Their work. If you want to have a healthy Sphinx cat, you have to work at keeping them healthy. Just want to add that because some people see them like, oh, they're so ugly. They're cute. And want to get one without realizing how much work they actually are. Mm -hmm. And it also depends on the kind of environment you have for them too, because if you live in an apartment or house or whatever that you typically keep relatively warm because some people do like living in warmer temperatures, which could be 75 degrees and up Fahrenheit, then you probably aren't going to need to put sweaters on them, but they are going to seek areas of warmth. So you're likely going to find them underneath your bed covers or maybe digging into your laundry and sleeping under all your clothes or something like that. Or trying to find a sunbeam and laying in the sun and then you have to worry about sunburn. Yeah. So, I mean, you want to try to create areas for them that they can be comfortable and be warm enough in. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have the temperature in your home at a warm enough temperature for them, then you will most likely have to keep a sweater on them. Yeah. Yeah. Again, they're a lot of work. They're wonderful cats. I love them. They have great temperaments, but Mm -hmm. they are a lot of work. Mm -hmm. But make sure that if you do have sweaters, coats, whatever it is you're using, that you do wash them fairly regularly because otherwise you could end up with skin rash or different issues like that. Yeah. And I think a Sphinx cat typically needs to be bathed or lotioned up once a week. Mm. I think that is the recommendations of these cool little cats. Yeah. And again, that might vary somewhat with each cat because of their individuality. True. Yeah. But that's something to research and learn about. Now, if you've never seen a Sphinx cat, these cats have large bat-like ears, big eyes, And they can have the pigment of their skin having many, many variations. So I think there's usually like a pink and gray, but that pink and gray can show up very, very differently. Oh, yeah. I've seen calico sphinxes. Oh, yeah. Like they have like orange patches and black patches and white patches. Yeah. Oh, okay. (laughs) Or pink patches because they don't have fur. But yeah, the typical what you would think like if you would add fur to them they would probably look like a regular calico cat. Mm. They're so cool looking. (laughs) (laughs) I think I've only seen the ones that have like been the pink and gray. So I don't. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now, if you're willing to do the work that is needed to really care for these cats, you'll find that they are extremely lovable. They're known to perform silly antics and they can be downright clumsy in their attempts (laughs) to be the center of attention. (laughs) telling you the great cats (laughs) (laughs) they do well however have an abundant energy and can be very mischievous they always want to be with you on you or showing off for you (laughs) (laughs) next up is the british short hair which as we mentioned before is the other breed that gets confused with the domestic short hair but like the american short hair it also has that documented pedigree and history and are bred with specific breed standards And this is probably the oldest English breed of cat. The British Shorthair can actually trace its ancestry back to the domestic cats of Rome. They tend to be very easygoing, quiet, easily trained, fairly adaptable, they're affectionate, and they do tend to become quite attached to the people that they own. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sorry guys, your cat owns you, you don't own the cat. The British short hair are sturdy, stocky, dense coated, purring teddy bears. <laughs> they have a round face, large round eyes, and small ears. And they are typically a medium to a large cat. 
The most common color for British short hairs is the blue or gray, because a lot of the gray colors are referred to as blue, mm-hmm. which is why we call them the blue teddy bear in our earlier clue. <laughs> <laughs> but they do also come in a variety of colors and patterns. They are also a slow maturing breed, and they don't reach their full size until about three years of age. They're not known for being acrobats, and they can be very clumsy at times. (laughs) I love clumsy cats. (laughs) I love the look of both the American and the British short hair with the really round faces. Mm. So this next cat that is ready to strut across the catwalk (laughs) is the Abyssinian. These are beautiful cats. Oh my gosh, these guys gorgeous. They are. So we said that the British Shorthair was probably the oldest English breed of cat, but the Abyssinian is actually one of the oldest cat breeds in general. However, their official origins are not really known, but best we can determine is that they have been traced back to the coasts of the Indian Ocean and parts of Southeast Asia. In 1868, Great Britain defeated Abyssinia, which is now Ethiopia, in the Abyssinian War. And at that time, a British soldier returned home with a kitten named Zula. And she was regarded as the grand dame of all modern Abyssinians. (laughs) (laughs) But the first Abyssinian did not actually reach North America until the early 1900s. Interesting. Now, with its athleticism and desire for attention, Abyssinians are very willing to learn and perform tricks for you. (laughs) And they are actually capable of soaring up to six feet into the air. Wow. (laughs) Now, these highly curious and intelligent cats have the ability to study you and learn from your behaviors. And they will often find ways to do something that they really want to do, such as open doors, turn on light switches, or other things. They're smart cats, (laughs) especially if they can observe us and learn from us. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's how you open the door. Now I know how to get out. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Probably keeps you on your toes, that's for sure. Yeah, so you probably don't want latch-type handles because... Those are going to be ones that they can open. The ones where you have to turn the knob, they're going to have a lot more difficulty with that. I'm sure they'd figure it out, though. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, they might. (laughs) Exploration and investigation are natural behaviors that these cats will exhibit. So they're going to keep you on your toes. (laughs) They will become easily bored and find ways to entertain themselves if they don't receive enough interaction, playtime, and mental activity. Sounds like the dogs that we just talked about last two weeks. Mm. When they're Mm -hmm. bored, they will find something to do. Yes. You don't want bored animals. (laughs) No. Especially Abyssinians. You don't want your Abyssinian to get bored, or they will find something to keep them occupied. Yes, and often when animals find their own source of entertainment... It's usually not the type of entertainment you want them to find. (laughs) Yep, that is the truth. (laughs) These cats love heights and they'll often perch on your shoulders as well as other high places that they can get to. So you'll most likely find them on top of your fridge, on top of cupboards, on high bookshelves. I've seen cats that even will get to like on very top of a door that's open. Mm -hmm. So they'll probably find their way up there too. (laughs) (laughs) Where there's a will in an Abyssinian's life, there is a way. (laughs) So you could end up with some surprises where you're walking by and all of a sudden you've got a cat jumping on you. (laughs) These cats somewhat resemble a miniature cougar because they've got a ticked coat pattern That can vary from ruby red to fawn to silvery blue. They've got very long and lean bodies, large ears, and very expressive almond-shaped eyes. Now, this is not a cat for you if you are looking for a cat that is wanting to be petted and cuddled and that kind of interaction because they don't really enjoy that type of activity or being held. But they do love to spend time with you 
and they can very much suffer from depression if they don't get regular attention and affection. Yep. Sounds like another cat that needs to be considered in a lot of ways like the Sphinx. Yes. That seems to be the thing with a lot of purebred type dogs and cats is that many of them do have special needs and people really need to understand what these different breeds need Mm -hmm. in order for them to thrive. Yeah. So the last cat on our catwalk, but of course not the least, (laughs) (laughs) is the Russian Blue. Now these are beautiful cats too. Oh yeah. These cats are known for their silvery or gray blue coat and they have very distinctive green eyes. But they are also considered special because of other distinctive features, unique personalities, and their history. This is another cat that can get mixed up with other cats. They can get confused with the British blue short hair and the chartreux breeds. The origin of the Russian blue is also uncertain, but it's believed that this breed developed naturally in the Archangel Isles in northern Russia where the long winters help to create a dense, plush coat. It's also rumored that this breed descended from cats kept by the Russian czars. Ooh, fancy. (laughs) Then they became further refined in Great Britain and Scandinavia, and eventually found their way to the U.S. in the 1900s. This gentle, quiet, and shy cat is also very affectionate, intelligent, and playful. They typically are very loyal and loving. They are said to be highly empathetic and sensitive to your emotions. So this is a cat that you really have to pay attention to yourself. Mm. If you're noticing behavior challenges happening, this is one where you might need to look at yourself and be wondering what might be going on with me that could be causing this. Yeah. It's not always about you, but there's a good chance it could be. Especially when they're so attached to you, any animal. They're really attached to you, whether it's a dog or a cat or a mixed breed or or a purebred. If they are attached to you in any way, your behavior will affect them. Mm -hmm. Because of their high level of intelligence and sensitivity, they are very likely to remember any favorite visitors that come, even if these visits are not very frequent. They have good memories. That's cool. Mm -hmm. And she'll discover that fetching is their favorite pastime. (laughs) (laughs) These cats also don't enjoy cuddling or extensive petting, but they also still want to be around you and can also become depressed or anxious if they feel neglected. Russian blues are medium-sized. They have long, thin bones and a muscular athletic build and can be a possible choice for those with allergies. Through their development, they shed very little fur and produce lower amounts of the allergenic protein, FELD1, which apparently is what will normally trigger an allergic response. That's good to know. Mm -hmm. That's very interesting. I did not know that. So I always thought that when a cat or a dog was suggested as being hypoallergenic, I thought, oh, well, that's false. But this could be the reason why certain dogs and cats could be more Maybe not fully hypoallergenic, but less. Yeah, they just don't carry that protein that most people are allergic to. That makes a lot of sense. And that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. But just know that if you're going to go with a pure breed and you're looking for something that may have less of this one protein, you know, it's not going to be like going to your rescue and getting a cat out of the shelter. These are cats that need extra care, extra concern, and they need extra work. Mm -hmm. Just know that. Mm -hmm. I mean, not like you should let your cat do whatever the heck they want anyway, no matter what breed it is. But when you're looking at some of these pedigree breeds, you have to understand what you're getting into. Just like you had to do when we were talking about the sporting breeds, you have to know what you're getting into. And when it comes to cat breeds, if you specifically want a very distinct feline breed, they come with conditions, whether it's a mental condition, a physical condition or whatever, they need to be considered at a different level than your average domestic short hair. So as we conclude our exploration of these six most recognized short haired cat breeds, 
you've probably realized that the feline world is a tapestry of diversity. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> you go anywhere from the playful and extroverted Abyssinian to the gentle, quiet, and shy Russian blues. And each breed brings its unique charm. Yeah. So if you are considering bringing a cat into your life, into your home, remember each breed has its distinct characteristics, but individual cats can surprise you with their unique personalities. Regardless of which characteristics appeal to you in these or any other breed, make sure you take the time to research visit shelters, and get to know your potential feline companion. The love and joy you will receive from any breed or (laughs) non-breed, as the case Mm -hmm. may be, is going to make the journey worthwhile. Oh, completely. The more you know, the better you can give that cat the life that it deserves. And that's important. Again, cats are not meant to just do their own dang thing. They need just as much attention and just as much consideration as you would a dog of any breed. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, cats are going to be a little bit more reserved and a little bit more detached because that's just who they are. But that doesn't mean they don't have social needs. It doesn't mean they don't love you. It doesn't mean that they should do whatever the heck they want. All animals enjoy having some type of boundaries in their lives where they can thrive. Whether it's you having a house where you just close most of the doors and they don't have to worry about those rooms as part of their territory or not. Either physical boundaries or mental boundaries. You just don't let a cat do whatever. If a cat wants to scratch your furniture, divert the behavior. It needs to have a boundary and it will end up thriving. Now, will it go away? Heck no, because cats do what they want to do in the moment. And as we've mentioned in many other episodes, cats have to scratch. So you have to work with the animal, like dogs have to bark. So you don't want to get rid of that. So you just have to divert, 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 divert. Mm -hmm. And that will allow you to have a relationship that is good for both you and your cat. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, it's not just about which breed you choose, but about the love and the care that you are going to provide to that cat that's going to make the difference in their life and your life. Absolutely. And of course, if you have any questions, just email us, theanimalvilespodcast at gmail.com. We will get back to you. We will teach you things. And if you want to teach us things, that's good too. And if you don't want to just do the email, you can just go to our website. That is theanimalvilespodcast.com. We have resources there. You can get all the links to our socials and we can help you out from there too. So hopefully this episode was entertaining and informative. And next week we are going to talk about five more very cool short hair breeds. So come back again and we will see you next time. Mm. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to rate, review, and recommend the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want some more great info, be sure to check out www.theanimalfilespodcast.com.